Welcome to the Impact Church Aurora podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you, engages you, and equips you to make an impact in the world around you. Now, get ready to receive the Word of God. Hallelujah. I'm going to read a portion of Scripture. At any time, if you feel the need to stand up and worship, please do so. Try not to hinder your neighbor, though, because they're probably trying to listen to. But please feel free and feel liberty in the Spirit. I got a word for you from the throne. And God wants you to know, I'll give you what the moral of the story is today. He loves you. He's more concerned about raising you than he is about what you think you're supposed to do for him. I said he's more concerned. He's not impressed by your calling. He's not impressed at how awesome or talented you are or you will be. He loves you. He is impressed by seeing you smile with love. He wants to pour out that blessing on you. And he needs you to understand that. And today, you're going to see some things you haven't seen before. But the moral of the story is, the most important thing I can tell you is, he loves you. You are his. You belong to him. You've known that for so many times. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are right now. He looks at you like I look at my newborn. I'll sit there and I'll babber at him and he doesn't say anything. But it just takes just a crack of a smile. And I get so fired up. Family, that's the way he feels about you today. And you've shown glimpses of glory. You have had moments of greatness. But when he looks at you, He says, that's my boy. That's my daughter. And he is possessive over you. He doesn't want poverty on your back. He doesn't want depression messing around with you. Family, he loves you. Let me get into the word. uh, And then we're going to pray. I want to talk to you about three rules for crossing the Galilee. Have you ever seen those signs? Like on a beach or maybe on the ocean? Or they're talking about, hey, there's a tide. Be careful. There's some rules. Or, or maybe they'll say, hey, you're not supposed to uh, be drinking on this beach. There's rules that the folks who set up that beach want you to understand before you interact. We're going to read a familiar passage of Scripture. Remember when, when Jesus just got done multiplying the fish and the loaves? And then he was trying to actually get away from the crowd. But then they followed him. And there was a Passover getting ready to happen. Then he had to feed them. But he was still trying to get with his crew. So he sends them away across the Galilee. And you know the story. We'll pick up right there. It is in Matthew. There's another account of this in John and in Mark, the sixth chapter. But we're going to focus on Matthew's account. And feel free to screen up there and follow along with me. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side 
while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. The Amplified says, I am. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, said to the Lord, If it is you, command me to come up to you on the water. And you know the rest of this. So he said, Come. And Jesus came down out of the boat. He walked out of the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for what you've already done. We thank you that you've broken the back of poverty. You've released prosperity, not just in our financial, but Father, in every avenue of our lives. We thank you that you're releasing joy this afternoon. We thank you that you are fixing relationships. The crooked things are being made straight. So Father, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for your word, that it'll be made relevant to us and that we'll receive it in Jesus' name. Three rules for crossing the Galilee. Because we're all crossing some type of Galilee, aren't we? We're all doing something. We're all on our way to get somewhere. We're trying to fix our finances. We're trying to get our business off the ground. We're trying to raise our kids. We're trying to get closer to Jesus. There is something that God has sent us on. We talk a lot about what is your calling? What is your calling? What mission are you on? Some of us are very mission-minded. Sometimes when I get home from work, I'll start the next thing I'm supposed to do. I'll, I'll start reading again. I'll start studying again. And my wife has to remind me at times, slow down. You just got home. So we're all on a mission. But the first rule you need to understand in crossing this Galilee is God is more interested in your development than in your destination. I said God is more interested in your development than in your destination. I know you've been called to do great things. I know you're going places. I know that there is a calling on your life. I know that there is a sense of excellence within you. But God isn't impressed by that. He knows what you're going to do. But God is concerned with you arriving there and then not being able to be who he called you to be. We've all seen people win the lottery and lose it all. We've seen people get notoriety and then something changes. There's something wasn't developed in their character. God is not willing to allow you to go any further without you understanding that I am not as concerned for what you can do for me. I am more concerned in fathering you. And there are some of us that unfortunately have had to go through life and maybe mom or dad wasn't there. But I came to remind you today that God has always been there. And the work he started in you, he so desperately wants to finish it. 
He is not concerned with your talents, your gifts, your abilities. He knows they're there. He's the one that put them there. And in due season, he's going to show you off to the entire nation, to the entire nations. But he is more interested in your development. He wants to father you. He wants to show you how tough you are. He wants to show you how strong you are. He needs to make sure that you understand that you're not a punk, that you are a spiritual giant. He needs you to understand that you can slay Goliath. He needs you to understand that when you strike that stone, even though it's been striked, water will come out because of who you are and who you represent. He needs you to understand that when you speak, limbs stretch forth, the dead are rise. He wants to father you. So I know that Jesus told us to go to the other side of the sea. But it was almost a setup. He knows you can get to the other side. But he's more interested in developing you along the way. So everyone look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. I know you're not there yet. And it's okay. See, something you got to understand. Was this their first time in the Sea of Galilee? Was it? Most of them actually fished out of there. In fact, do you remember when Jesus was starting his ministry? The waves were almost going to sink the ship. And Jesus was chilling, sleeping on a mat somewhere. And they had to wake him up. And one of them was like almost rude about it. Don't you care that we perish? (laughs) You don't even care that I'm hurting and afraid. Some scholars say that happened after this. I tend to believe this happened before. But is this the first time they were caught up in a storm in the Galilee? Huh. In fact, if you look at the geography, you'll see that when they, when they multiplied the fish and the loaves, there was a high mountainous area. And the Bible says he went up to the mountain to pray. But then the sea was in a lower area. And if you get uh, someone who's familiar with that, they'll know, they'll tell you. Hey, um, it's kind of a shallow sea. It's kind of not of a cool sea to be in at certain times because it can get really violent in there. It was a setup. See, they thought they were going to drown. But Jesus was just allowing them to practice. I'm going to send you over to the other side. You're going to think that the most important part of it is getting there. But what you don't understand is you kind of messed up the first time. And the first time around, I had to wake up. In fact, I wasn't even sleeping. I had one eye open the entire time. I just wanted to hear the words that would come out of your mouth. But I'm giving you the opportunity to do it again because I love you. I'm not as concerned about getting to the other side. I'm concerned with you being able to rise up in faith and rebuke the storm yourself and declare healing yourself and understand the authority that I've given you. So family, when that bill comes, that you're concerned, like Lita was talking about, that's going to wipe out your savings, 
Look at that bill and say, oh, God, you're just allowing me to practice. When you get that horrible report, that medical condition, God, you're giving me another opportunity to practice. When people stop talking about you and it hurts your feelings, you're getting ready to freak out or backbite or gossip. God, you must be giving me another opportunity to practice. You are giving me an opportunity to practice your goodness, to practice your kindness, to practice your prosperity, to practice faith. This situation has not come to take me out. You're just allowing me to practice. Imagine God is setting up. He won't even let the enemy pitch at you. He's setting up the tee ball. And he's putting the ball right there. And he steps back. And he says, go ahead, Papa, hit it. You need to understand that the trials and the waves and the sea and the things you think will drown you. He's setting you up to practice. He wants you to know what it feels like to hit it out of the ballpark. He needs you to understand what victory feels like. But sometimes we get afraid. We say, no, I'm not strong enough to pick up the bat. What if everyone laughs at me when I swing? He'll pick up the ball again and put it on the tee again and give you another opportunity. He is not willing for you to not be developed. He knows that what you have inside of you because he put it there. So it's not about it getting to the other side. It's about being still and knowing that he is God. Do you see the difference now? Can you practice God's eternal truth in the midst of a temporary situation? 2 Corinthians uh, says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So family, this week, should something arise, understand I'm not looking at myself or my children being sick. I'm not looking at this temporary situation. I'm not looking at this broken relationship. That's temporary. What is the eternal truth? The eternal truth is that you are who God says you are. God didn't say you were broke. God didn't say you were sick. God didn't say you were weak. God says you're my daughter. You're my son. You're strong. You are made whole. I got one more word for you concerning this topic before we move on. The Lord showed me that some of you have actually distanced yourself from him because you felt guilty. Because you felt guilty that you weren't further along. Because you felt guilty that you should have maybe accomplished more So instead of realizing the pain of regret or of accomplishment, you kind of distance yourself off a little bit because it hurt too much to realize that I should be maybe a little bit further along than I am right now. I had these visions. I had these dreams. I had these things that I was supposed to do, and I'm not quite there yet. And God wants to confront you today. And he's like, I'm not after the vision. I'm not after the dream. I'm not after the goal. I'm not after the end result. I'm after your heart. 
and I'm still here, and I'll be here, and you're a winner, and you're a champion, and we can go there together. So I need you to understand, if you haven't made it there yet, it's okay. Be released. I want everyone to take a deep breath. (sighs) Let out that depression. Let out that despondency. Let out that fear. I, we're, you know what? We're not, none of us are there yet. None of us have made it to the other side. And it's okay. But we can start right now. And we can start together. And we don't have to be upset. And we don't have to retreat. You don't have to feel guilty about not being further along. He's after your heart. Rule number two. Remember that everyone else is trying to cross the Galilee as well. Would you do me a favor? Would you just look around the room? Just go ahead, look around the room. All the people, all the people here, beautiful people. Guess what? They're all trying to cross too. So on behalf of all of us, give us a break. No, seriously. Give them a break. Yeah, I know they gossip a little bit. I know they still have an attitude. I know sometimes they got a grumpy look on their face. But you know what? What you don't understand, you don't know how long they've been rowing. They've been rowing maybe a little bit longer than you have. Sometimes we get upset but God doesn't answer our prayer in two days and somebody's been rowing for 20 years. So would you give them a break? Would you allow them to be them? Would you just go ahead and put a blanket of forgiveness on everybody? Yeah, I know they did something bogus. I know everybody knows what they did. But would you just allow them to be them and you pray for them? How about we stop talking about each other? How about we start forgiving each other? I know, and they know what they did too. But let's go ahead and allow them to get over to the other side. They're trying to get to the same place you are. I know they're not professional. I don't know. I know they don't have those skills yet or whatever it is. We're all trying to get to the other side of Galilee. We're all going through the storms. We all know what it's like to get buffeted and and have contrary situations. Give them a break. You know, we associate with Peter, don't we? When we read the story. Because Peter's the one who says something. Everybody else is just crying. Because they're crying in fear. And you know what's cool about this? John and Mark don't even record Peter saying anything. But Matthew does. Why is that? Oh, Lewis, it's because that, that proves right there that the Bible is not accurate. Who wrote John? Was John friends with Peter? Were they friends? And in the the book of Acts, don't you see them buddy buddies kicking butt together? Let me ask you a question. If your best friend did something kind of embarrassed that he was embarrassed about, would you bring it up in front of other people? So maybe that's why John didn't mention it. 
But who was Matthew? Matthew was a tax collector. He was a numbers guy. He was a financial type. He was maybe even a little bit rude. He was the type of guy who says, it is what it is. John was trying to protect his boy. He's like, I know you messed up. I don't want to put you on blast out there. I don't want to post you. So I'm just going to mention that we kind of went the thing. I ain't going to say what you did. You almost sang. You cried like a little girl. Jesus had to save you. He had to pull you up. But Matthew don't care. Matthew's like, it happened. It is what it is. I'm going I'm to I'm just be accurate about what happened. But we associate with Peter. But what God is trying to do, he wants you to associate with him. See, Peter had to go through that because he was the one who's going to be stepping up. He was not only going to be facing waves, he was going to be facing the Sanhedrin. He was going to be facing danger. He was going to be facing courts. He even faced his own death. So God was trying to get him to practice on those waves because he was going to be one of the leaders of his church. Jesus is inviting you. Don't always. I know that you've had situations and you stepped out in faith and it didn't quite work out the way you thought it would. But the reason you had to go through that is because you are going to be the one calming the waves and walking on water on behalf of others. Maybe you don't have faith yet to believe that you can walk on waters. But let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you walk on water for your children? Wouldn't you walk on water for your grandchildren? Wouldn't you do it for your spouse? Wouldn't you figure out how to do it for someone else? If you don't have enough faith to believe you can do it, God is calling you to do something impossible. And the reason why you can believe it, maybe you can't believe it on your own, but believe it for your children. Believe it for your grandchildren. Believe it for those who come after you. Believe it because of those who've suffered but who went before you. Believe it on somebody else's account that somebody someday is going to need me to step out of the boat and walk on this water. And I may have sunk a little bit, but I'm going to keep on going because I have enough faith to defend my children. Faith to defend my grandchildren who aren't even born yet. I have enough faith to protect my family. Could you believe it on behalf of your family? Could you believe it on behalf of your community? A uh, quick thing on that before we get to the third rule. Hey, listen, um, there's just no way around it. Some of you guys have been on the boat by yourself. And I apologize that that happened. Maybe more people started on that boat with you. But at some point, for whatever reason, they got out of the boat. We shouldn't go back and and talk about what happened. But some of you guys have been rowing all night. And you feel like you've been doing it on your own. I got a word for you. God wanted me to show up today to tell you specifically, in this part of the service, that you're not alone. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was on the mountain watching the whole thing happen the entire time. You just keep on rowing. 
Because at some day you're going to look back and your boat's going to be filled. And you'll be like, I don't know how you brought these people into my life. I don't know what you did. But at some point, I kept on rowing and I felt lonely and I cried and I wasn't sure if we were going the right way. But I wasn't going to drop the oar because I know that God has something awesome for me. And God is telling you today, you are not by yourself. You are not, you have not laughed your biggest laugh yet. You have not experienced the most joy you've experienced yet. Your best days, your blessed days are still in front of you. They're still ahead of you. There is still work to be done and you're just getting started. So you're not alone. He's been watching the whole time. He's seen every tear. He knows the sound of you crying. Because he's been listening the entire time. And he has your back so much. God wants me to tell you that he's proud of you. That you're strong. That you're powerful. And I'm welling up with tears because I'm just a messenger. But he's so proud of you for not giving up. I know you haven't been perfect, but you didn't give up and you're still here. Keep going. You're almost there. Now my, <clears throat> my son is going to know what it's like to see his dad cry now. He goes, I remember you were crying on the stage, Daddy. That was kind of weak, Daddy. <laughs> no, he knows. I'm just kidding. He knows there's a good reasons to cry. Last rule. You might not like this one, but you need to hear it. Go ahead and put rule number three up. It may take longer to cross than you wanted it to, but it's going to be easier than you think. Be comfortable with that statement. I know we live in a microwave mentality, but if you don't think this is true, then how come it hasn't happened for you yet? But again, it's not about having, having it happen quickly. It's about the lessons that are learned in the middle of the sea. Because he can get you there overnight. But he can't teach you how to be you overnight. And he is not willing to allow you to go to the next level till you figure out the beautiful things about yourself that you're supposed to figure it out. It may take longer to cross than you wanted it to. But it's going to be easier than you think. Let me expound on that a little bit. Can you see, Peter? Jesus said, go ahead of me. Go to the other side. And if Peter is who I think he is, he said, okay, you want me to go to the other side? All right, when are you coming? You're going to stay behind? But this whole crowd is here. They want to force you to be king. You're trying to get away from them. Are you sure? I'll cut somebody's ear off. I'll cut somebody out. What do you need me to do? You want me to go? You don't want me to stay? You cross the river? Get on the boat. You want me to get on the boat? Which city do you want me to go to? You want me to go to this city? But, but it's getting late, and I don't want you to get jumped, because there's, there's a bunch of us here, and you're by yourself, 
And okay, but how are you going to find us? You don't even have a boat. We showed up on this boat together. So uh, how are, what are the logistics? Are, are you going to page me? Oh, wait, there's no pagers yet. Um, are, are you going to like send a, send a, like a force message to me? Uh, I'll go to the other side, but how are we going to meet? I'll walk four miles back to here if I don't see you because it's a four-mile walk. I know because I timed it before I got here. Uh, how are we going to link up? Isn't that what we do? Jesus, you've called me to start my business. You've called me to run for office. You've called me to the nations. But should I start preaching now? Should, should, I, should I not preach? Should I give him that word? Do you want me to start writing? Or should I not write yet? Should, should I take this money and invest it? Should I pay off debt? Should, should I just save it? You want me to give him the offering? God, what do you want me to do? What are the logistics? And then while we're doing that, doesn't that create fear? Doesn't that create fear? We're trying to figure out the, ink, uh, the, the ins and the outs. You know, Job said an interesting thing. And by the way, I tip my hat off to Job. I'm going to hug him when, I, when we see him. Um. Job said something industry. We don't have, interesting. We don't have time to get into it. The Bible says that he was blameless. Right? But that book anchors me because bogus stuff still happened to him. But if you read it carefully, you'll see kind of what happened. There is a passage of Job that says, that which I had feared has come upon me. That which I have feared. The Bible says that he gave a routine prayer every single day, just in case my sons and daughters had sinned. He was approaching life in fear. So I don't give credit to the enemy for coming in and doing what he did. In fact, I discredit the enemy for not knowing he was already operating in fear. The enemy was so afraid to touch him that he didn't even realize we had already let the guard down. Kind of a different take, isn't it? He said, that which I had feared. And you know it's true because he repented later on. So he was blameless. In fact, he didn't harm anybody else. But he was coming to God in prayer out of fear. How many things do we allow to make us afraid? One of the, I'll, can I share one of my faults? One of the things I used to say out of fear was, Father, I, I thank you for the hedge of protection that's around my children. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Oh, and by the way, there is a hedge of protection around my children and your children. But instead of thanking God, thank you for the ministering angels that are watching over my babies even when I can't be there. I was coming to him out of fear that something was going to happen to them or be falling. I was doing the same thing Job was doing. The thing that I feared. And some of us financially have been released today because you've been fearing going broke. 
And that's the fear that's been driving you and the anxiety. It's making your stomach turn. And, and what if I don't have enough? And, and what about the bills? And, and what if we get sick? And, and what if we have something else come up? And what if the car breaks? But what we need to understand is what 2 Corinthians 10.5 says. And what Job did, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When Peter was in the sea, he should have said, I bring this fear of drowning into your captivity, Jesus. And he could have probably finished the way over there. So I want to challenge you. Because listen, I want my proof that Peter figured it out. Here's my proof that Peter figured it out. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He was the guy drowning, remember him? And he learned something. That every time fear, every time worry, every time doubt, every time lack begins to invade your soul and tries to discredit your faith, bring it into captivity. No, I will not go broke. No, my children will be well. Whatever that image is, I cast it down and it has to be obedient to the knowledge of what God said about me. So now instead of approaching the throne out of fear and fearing that something will befall my children, I say, Father, thank you for the hedge that is upon them that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. And every time, listen, if you got to do it a hundred times a day, you fight a hundred times a day. If you got to rebuke that thought a thousand times over the next year, rebuke it a thousand times, but don't stop rowing. The second you stop rowing is the second you give up on yourself or your family. The battle is in here. last point. Um, I do want to read one of the other versions of this in John 6 in closing. And if you guys can come back and maybe play the piano or we're going to pray and then we're going to be done service. Hey, check, check this out. And none of the other versions say it this well, so that's why I wanted to show you the version of John. This is at the end of the story. Then they willingly received him into the boat. Why is that important? Because remember at first they were afraid of him. They didn't want to receive him in the boat. They thought it was a ghost. So then they're like, oh, that's Jesus. Come on to the boat. Then they willingly received him in the boat. And here's what happens next. And when? Say it again. One more time. Come on, get it down in your spirit. And immediately, the boat was at the land where they were going. Peter was trying to figure out, how are we going to get there together? We left before you did. You don't got a boat. It's kind of raining. I don't even, I'm not sure if we're heading in the right direction. We've been rowing, but the wind has been contrary. And God says, don't focus on the end result. 
it might take longer than you wanted it to. But it's going to be easier than you think. Because as soon as Jesus got on the boat, immediately they were in the land. What was there to figure out? All that worrying, all those details. And Peter didn't have to figure anything out. So family, here's my last message to you today. You don't have to figure it out. It might take longer, but it's going to be easier. You'll get that phone call. You'll have that connection. The opportunity will be so clear. It almost won't be fair because it'll be God's favor. And you will be able to walk through the door that God has had open for you, but he needed you to figure out a couple things first. The first thing is God is more interested in your development than in your destination. He also needs you to remember that everyone else is trying to cross the Galilee at the same time and to give everybody a break. And lastly, that it might take longer to cross than you wanted it to, but it'll be easier than you think. God is not after what you can do for him. He's after your heart this afternoon. Is there a child of God in the house under the sound of my voice who's ready to worship him without some of the yoke of bondage and condemnation of maybe, man, I wish I was this or I wish I was that or I wish I knew this or forget about that stuff. Enjoy the process. Don't forget to practice. Laugh at those bills when they show up. Ooh, Jesus, you really wanted me to practice today. Because if you can figure out how to have the joy of the Lord when you're not supposed to, then God is preparing to send you to a place where you can begin to release that victory over somebody else. God is looking for someone who doesn't walk by what they see. They're walking by what God said. Isn't that what the Bible says? We don't walk by sight. Can you be still when the sea is raging and the winds are blowing and you can almost taste the salt in the water? Can you be still and say, I ain't sinking today because God's called me to the other side. Family, stand to your feet. Let's pray as we close out service. Heavenly Father, family, again, close your eyes, lift your head, lift your hands. I'm going to encourage you to get back into the throne. As you get back into the throne, you will see God's unlocking things in your spirit. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. And we cast off fear. We cast off anxiety. We rebuke depression. It has to go. We thank you that you are comforting us even now. We thank you that you are even showing us glimpse of us preaching the gospel to the nations. Right now, you're even showing us and depositing images of what is. But you've reminded us that you don't love us for what we do or how good we speak or, or some of the things we try to do. You love us because we're your babies. We're your sons and daughters. And when you look at us, somebody right now, just go ahead and worship him. Allow the love of God to cover you. 
allow his countenance to be lifted upon you and you will see the peace center your life that passes all understanding right now in the name of Jesus I declare that even in your bodies you're healed and whole in the name of Jesus I thank you that situations going on with with blood pressure and achy joints. I thank you that they're being made whole in the name of Jesus. As you worship him, as you enter the throne, some of those infirmities and some of those weaknesses and the things that have been tormenting your soul are falling off in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the anointing is here. The anointing is here to break every yoke. The anointing is destroying the enemy's plan. The enemy is destroying the hooks that have tried to ensnare your people. And I thank you that they live and operate in freedom right now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Father, for the gifts and the talents that are being made manifest. I thank you that the gifts are being stirred, even prophecy. I thank you gift of tongues are even being received right now in the name of Jesus. I thank you some baby Christians right now are being baptized in the Holy Holy Ghost for the very first time. Father, in the name of Jesus, I give you thanks that you are even unlocking answers to their prayers. You are even showing them ideas and strategies that will create millions of dollars. I give you thanks you are giving strategies that will create millions of souls. I thank you you are giving strategies that will heal the governments, heal the economies. I give you thanks that you are giving strategies that will bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to Hollywood and to the entertainment industry and to all the recording studios. I give you thanks, Father, that nothing is too big that we ask of you today. We give you thanks, Father, that even those of us who have felt like we were all alone, I thank you. Even this afternoon, you're going to begin filling the boat. I thank you. You've sent forth an encouraging word, and we're strong today. Family, I may have gotten ahead of myself. If you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and your captain and your savior, I just want to take a moment to make sure I give you that opportunity. And those of you who have already done so, I'm going to encourage you to pray with me to encourage them on. You know who you are. You know that you got some sins. Well, just get them forgiven and let's move on with it. So that's you, not like a wimp, not like a weenie, but like a warrior. I want you to repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask forgiveness, forgiveness of my sins, of my bogusness, of my transgressions. Forgive me. Save me. Heal me. Deliver me. I'll get on the boat. And I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll serve where you tell me to serve. I'll preach where you send me to preach. Thank you for giving me life. And life more abundantly. I receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I receive power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means 
be able to harm me. And I rejoice that my name, that my name is written in your book of life. And I'm starting the journey to go with you wherever you lead. In Jesus' name. Amen. Who's ready to go? Who's ready to go? Thank you for listening to this week's message on the Impact Church Aurora podcast. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information or to give, please visit us at www.impactchurchaurora.com. Now, go out into the world and continue making an impact. Thank mm-hmm. you.